Welcome to Assorted Conversations. The podcast with everyday people sharing stories of following their passions as they pursue happiness. Hi, Helen. Hey, Maureen. How are you? I'm good. That's good. You know, it's a good thing. It is. It is. And we'd like to welcome anybody who's discovering the podcast for the first time, as well as welcome back anyone that is joining us for another episode of Assorted Conversations. So how's your week been, Helen? Well, this week was my first week back into the office. We are kind of doing a stagger schedule after COVID. So uh, just a couple days a week to start out with. And I got to tell you, as much as I love my job and love the people I work with, it was kind of exhausting to be around people for a couple days. Oh I, it's gosh. really something I'm going to have to get back into the swing of getting used to. Yeah. I, I don't envy you there. Yeah. That and that and the commute. I mean, I love the commute from the bedroom to the dining room desk table. <laughs> I like the what you get to wear. Yeah. Well, yeah. But how was your week? My week uh, is spent pretty much either dealing with rain or out in the garden. Just so much rain lately. And it's freaking me out. We have so many plants that I'm hoping are going to get pollinated. And at the same time, I'm getting to see all the birds and their hatchlings are now out and flying. So it's all about the birds being out and making sure that they have what they need because hopefully they're eating the bugs in my garden, but I need bugs in my garden to actually pollinate. So I need birds and bees. Right. And speaking of birds and bees, uh, kind of falls in line with, with this week's guest. Maureen, let me ask you, did your parents or your mom ever have a conversation with you about the birds and the bees and, and have the sex conversation? She tried. She tried. She made an effort and I panicked and said, you don't need to tell me that. My sister, Joan, she's already explained. Ought to mention that Joan is younger than me by 17 months. So uh, yeah, Joan had found a book in the house that I don't believe my mother had ever read that explained all about sex, but not necessarily in a good way. What kind of a book? It was a, it was actually a book about a kidnapping. Oh. And it was just kind of a horror. And that probably wasn't the first introduction I should have had to sex. <laughs> no, probably not. Right. Probably. But my mother let it go because she was like, oh, good. Jones already told you. <laughs> Excellent. I, you know, I, I personally did not grow up with having a birds and bees talk from, from my mom. Um, it just, it wasn't anything that was talked about. And the, my only coming close to having a birds and bees discussion was, I was with an aunt who is eight years older than me. So we did not grow up as traditional aunt and niece. It was more like older sister, younger sister. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget it. I came home from my freshman year of college, mind you. (laughs) And she had me over for dinner and because it was hot, it was the summer. I said, all I really want is a tuna fish sandwich. It's too hot to eat anything heavy. 
So she makes my tuna fish sandwich, brings it in, puts it on the table, and right next to the tuna fish sandwich, she slaps down her diaphragm in the case. And I looked at her like, what the hell is this? And she said, if you don't want to get pregnant, you need to get one of those. And all I could focus on was, what the hell would she have slapped on the table if I had asked for a cheeseburger? <laughs> so that was that was it. You know, any discussion uh, that revolved around sex for me growing up had more to do with don't get pregnant. Don't do it until you're married and don't get pregnant. So this brings up something that actually I had forgotten about till this, just this moment, which was freshman year in college when we went to college, they showed a movie and oh. encouraged everyone to go to it. And the only thing I took away from that movie about the dangers of sex was that it was like potato chips. You couldn't have just one. <laughs> I don't remember that movie, but I remember people talking about it. Oh my gosh. So crazy. College age just to me seems a little late for, for, sharing that information right and not only that the information that we got or that we were exposed to was not about sex in a positive way it was really there are consequences yeah or at best you might have gotten something that was mechanically this is how it's done yeah which is a little depressing <laughs> and a little surprising that that's what I was introduced to when, in fact, my parents had seven kids. <laughs> yeah, that seems, that seems a little odd. Fortunately for us, this week's guest is Bree Hill, who has followed her passion into the erotica genre of writing that provides the reader a connection to the more carnal and sensual side of sex. Woohoo! I know. It's going to be great. Yeah, all the things we never knew. All the things we had to learn on our own through trial and error. And so much more that she's taught us through this interview. <laughs> so we hope you enjoyed this week's guest. We had a great conversation with Bree. Take a listen and we'll see you on the other side. Hello, Brie. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you guys? Hi, Brie. Hello. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I'm so excited that you are here with us. <laughs> and that I'm you excited too. I'm just that you agreed to talk with us. Really? What an amazing thing. I, yes. Maureen is looking at this as an educational opportunity. She has already shared that with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm here to help in any way that I can. That's what I appreciate. Probably more your husband. Well, he's ever hopeful. He lives. <laughs> right. He lives in hope. If I learn anything, he'll be thrilled. Challenge accepted. <laughs> awesome, awesome. What he'll learn is that I am going to become the ever more independent woman from experiencing <laughs> this this particular interview, and he'll be like, Correct. "I don't think that's where I wanted it to go." <laughs> Correct. That is not what he was planning. Well, I am thrilled because I know you from a previous life. Yes. And now after having read your book, I realized that I didn't know you all that well. 
<laughs> and Brie, I didn't know you at all before I read the book, and I can't wait to meet you and hang out and have a glass of wine. That's right. Yes, I am. Um, I think I'm a lot more Brie the author than the Brie that you were used to, the bird whisperer, your fellow bird whisperer. My fellow, this is this is a true story. Brie was one of the people that helped me release one of the birds that had gotten into the building. Yes. And we were from then on known as the bird whisperers. Right. I coached you through that. You'll coach me through this, Brie. <laughs> Correct. So the way I found out about your passion, which is writing erotica, is actually mm-hmm. on Facebook. That's that's how I learned about it after I had yes. long since left that company. And you were kind enough to friend me on Facebook. You're like, that one, yeah, I'll stay friends with you. I actually liked you. You were one of few that I actually liked in that place, okay? Wow, I'm feeling pretty good. (laughs) So here are some things that I would like to know is, I know you've told us a little bit about your first experiences around this genre of erotica. Okay, so I come from a family of avid readers, so reading was just... That that was just a given in my household. And my favorite books were Goosebump books. Goosebump, Sweet Valley High, you know, all the fun, innocent right. pieces of literature. And then my mom and my godmother, um, they would get together, usually on Saturdays, and they'd like order takeout, and they would discuss, you know, their latest book. Well, one... <laughs> One fun Saturday while I was supposed to be off, you know, playing and, you know, being a kid, they started discussing a book by the author Zane. And I could tell by the hushed tones that it was probably something that I wasn't supposed to know about. So, (laughs) duh, what does that mean? It means put your dolls down and get closer and uh, listen. Right, right. So, you know, they're, you know, they're whispering and they're, you know, they're talking in hushed tones about, oh, girl, did you read this chapter when she did this and she did that? And I couldn't hear most of it, but the part that got me, there was well, what I now know as like an orgy mm-hmm. scene, apparently <laughs> in the in the book. But as a kid, I just I didn't know what that meant, so I'm just listening, and they're discussing this this the the the. the so okay, can we curse? And I'll, can, you can say whatever you want, and I'll edit whatever I need to. Okay. These girls would get together, and the host, whoever the host, it would be a different host from the sorority each year, and they would get together, and they would hire like the creme de la creme of strippers and like male escorts or whatever, and they were the, the sorority was called Alpha Phi Alpha. <laughs> that was. <laughs> we're, we're definitely using the cockatoo on that one. <laughs> <laughs> It's not like Helen hasn't swore before. Yep. (laughs) I broke it in. (laughs) That was the chapter, the name of the chapter. So I heard that and it's like, I got to listen. So they're talking about this, this, um, this chapter. And I'm like, there's got to be a way for me to read this. So, you know, I, I do what any kid does. I sneak and I'm reading through these books and I'm like, oh my God, people write like this. I didn't, before that moment. This is the best part that I'm hearing from you right now. People write like this. Not that they behave like this, not that they act like this, but they write this down. I could. This is for posterity. (laughs) I could not believe that there was written, bound words like this. Like before that, I just, I knew there were, there were books that had more adult themed 
information, but this was beyond my wildest dream. So in my head, I'm like, okay, this is the coolest thing I've ever read in my life. But of course, you know, I couldn't dog tag, you know, the pages and everything. So I had to put it back, but I'm like, oh my God, I really, and I, at this point I was about, <laughs> I was about like 12, 13. And I'm like, oh my God, like, what can I do? So I went to my mom and I just said, you know, can I read one of your books? And she's like, what books? And I'm like, your Zane books. And the look on her face, the fear in her, I no, no, you cannot. But she did <laughs> let me read. Um, she just felt like that was probably not my first introduction to mm-hmm. sex and erotic literature. So she said, you know, I, I, you cannot read those books, but there's a book that I do want you to read. And it's, it was called Coffee Will Make You Black. I, the, the author always escapes me, but it was a really good book, a coming of age book about a young girl and just her experiences growing up and having sex. And so that was my first like mm-hmm. normal intro to it. But I knew in the back of my mind, I was getting my hand on those Zane books. <laughs> Brie, how, how old were you when, when your mom introduced you to that book? I, Coffee Will Make You Black. I was 12. Zane. Okay when I finally got the okay to read my first Zane book with bated breath was 16 and I was hooked from then on. She oh my God. Wait four years. <sighs> while four still bringing, while bringing new Zane books into my line of vision every like month right. or so. And saying, here's your young adult books. <laughs> here's Harry, but she, in that time, she did hook me on to Harry Potter and Twilight. Yep. So I appreciate that. But my eyes were on those same books. And the minute <laughs> I got a chance, and then it made it even worse because then the kids at my school had started reading Zane books. So everybody was coming in with their parents, you know, copies and everybody's snickering and looking at pages. And I'm just sitting there like, my mom's had those books for years. You guys don't even know. And the minute she gave me the go ahead, I read through every last one of them. And I'm like, I want to write like her. <laughs> and let's just be clear that those other kids, they didn't get parent permission. They did not because we were told we had to make sure like our our fingertips couldn't be dirty because they didn't want any stains on the books. Nobody could like, <laughs> like one girl was like, can she go make copies? And you know, you got to kind of like spread the book out to like make, you know, p- no, because you don't want to mess up the spine. It was a lot to try to get through those so the, books. This was, this was predominantly like you and your girlfriends. Yes. Like yes. the boys were behind the bleachers with Playboys and you guys were all there with Zane. Well, no, because then once it caught on, the boys were then sne- like throwing oh. caution to the wind, like, oh, we want these books too. So then that, now they're chasing us around with this gold, this this piece of gold in our hands because they want to know well, what's going on in this book and how can we be a part of it? How can that happen to us? Yeah. So it was, a, oh God, it was a whole thing. But yeah, I finally got my hands on them with permission and that was all she wrote. So at what point did you start writing for yourself? I was writing poetry from like the age of seven, stupid stuff. And then slowly but surely as um, I got older, a little more substance. And then I I tried my hand at spoken word. And Mm -hmm. then even after, you know, my introduction to Zane and everything, I still didn't get into the erotic part of my writing until I was about 18 or 19. But before that, I just wrote, you know, fun little like kids stories and stuff. I had notebooks stacked to gosh, almost the ceiling of short stories and stories based on my niece, Miley. I would call them Mileyisms. Yeah. Then one day I just feel like 
I can write like this person. And it, it, it started out as a diary entry. I'd, I'd lost okay. my, I had lost my virginity and I'm like, oh, there's a story here. Um, let me write it down. So I started, it started out. <laughs> well, that wasn't my first thought when it happened. But <laughs> I, I know I'm sitting there going like, I cannot imagine my first time ever being elevated to the level no, of erotica. It sucked. Yeah. That was the thing. It sucked. And I wanted to write about it. So no, oh God, <laughs> no. no, it was not one of those oh my God, the birds chirped. No, it sucked. And I wanted to write about it. And then as I'm writing, I'm writing thought bubbles above each thing and I'm making myself chuckle. So then I'm like, I could turn this into a story. And I did. I turned it into a short story, but instead of it sucking, it was great. Oh, you did the dream version. Like this is the way I wish right. it had been. And so it started okay. as that. And then I let my best friend at the time read it. And she's like, that's it. And I'm like, yeah, it's just, you got to write more. This, there's got to be more from this. Hmm. Okay. So then I, <laughs> I slowly right. story, I would write really short blurbs, like little, I'm talking par- little paragraphs in between class. And then I would fold them into these cute little decorative boxes that you used to fold them yep. into. And I'd, pa- mm-hmm. we'd, I'd pass them to my friends in the class. And by lunch, they're like, oh my God, they were going nuts. So I'm like, I got something here. I, I think I might have something here. So then that was kind of right. like my first... So you did a short story media blitz mm-hmm. at your school <laughs> with folded box things that are mm-hmm. like, okay, pick this one and find out how the story continues. Yeah. Between three of my friends, I passed them out. And then, yeah, the, the, it's so funny because once I started like really writing and really like enjoying my friend's feedback, I would go to the front office and I'm like, can I make some copies? <laughs> And like after a while, they started like, yeah, they started like, (laughs) oh my God, they started charging like 25 cent a copy. So I'm like, great. So then I used to tell my friends, listen, if you guys want copies of this, you have to give me the money because I got to pay for this stuff. I I was going to say, I hope you started charging like 50 cents a box at least. I wasn't even smart enough to charge so I can gain a profit. I'm like, I just need the 25 cents to make these copies. They each give me a quarter and I'd go and I'd make my four copies and I'd fold them up and I'm like, this is it. And they loved it. They're like, you got to write more of these. But then I had to stop because one of my friends let her boyfriend borrow the story in class and then he passed it around. And next thing I know, I'm getting called down to the freaking principal's office. So that's okay. Right. Well, no. Because okay, just PS, nobody in the principal's office or administration checked to see what you were copying. Yeah, so their own they, fault. Right. That's right. I blame them. So then I realized, okay, I'm no longer gonna do it in class. So but then I, that's when I started writing more at home and they started becoming longer and longer and longer. And then I only let one person, my like my very best friend, read those and she's like, You got something here. It's funny. One of my questions was going to be, what drew you to writing erotica, say, over poetry? But that's where you started. I started at poetry. And yeah, and then it's just, it's so funny because it was my crappy first time is exactly what got me right into it because, yeah. Let's just be clear. My crappy first time should have launched me into comedy. (laughs) Mine kind of did. No. So Brie, after the junior high, high school um, debacle, which I think your marketing was genius. (laughs) Agreed. Where did you go from there? Were you writing in school? Did you go for English? It's funny because 
I was not an English major. The only time I wrote in school was literally for assignments. That was it. And I think a part of that was because I didn't want it to become monotonous and I didn't want it to become something that I always felt was forced. And so this was kind of, so my writing was an escape from everything else until it was an, a writing assignment. So I finally ended up going deep into my erotica. Um, I would say like when I was about 22, 23, and I posted my first short story on Facebook. And then that's when it became what it is now. At that point, everybody's like, are you going to write a book? Is there more of this? So then I would slowly start writing and posting stuff on Facebook. And then I'm like, well, I've since lived a little bit and I actually have some experiences Mm -hmm. that I can write about. So then I started writing about my actual experiences. I wonder how many guys out there right now are going, is that me? (laughs) I think, I don't think any, I think only two are me specific. And then others are, you know, stories that friends have told me. And it's funny because when you, when I've allowed some of my friends, they're like, is this, is this the one I told you? I'm like, yes, it is. And one of my friends is like, oh, you made it sound a lot sexier in your book. Now I want to do over. (laughs) (laughs) Do over. That's what I like. Okay. We're going to do a do over. What, what's the feeling you get out of doing this type of writing? What's the thing that you get from it? <laughs> well, gee, Maureen, I'm thinking that's obvious. <laughs> it goes beyond just the sex. <laughs> beyond the sex, I think it just allows, because obviously I'm not going around living out these wild fantasies or if a plumber comes, I'm not, you know, doing anything up against the sink or any of, so it just allows me to kind of live out these fantasies that I obviously would never, well, not all the time, live out loud. And so it just, I don't know, it's still an escape for me, just in a different way now. When did the idea for Slippery When Wet come to you? I would say shortly after my second son was born. um, I was married at this point. It was pretty clear that I hated my husband, but I still had this escape. So (laughs) I was writing and writing and writing. So I, I, I would start writing. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to turn these into a book. He wasn't very supportive, but that was kind of when the idea came that I'm going to publish this. So then when I divorced him and got remarried, I decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. So that, that was during my second marriage is when I decided I'm going to publish it. During my second marriage is also when I realized, I don't know why I keep marrying these men because I'm clearly gay. So I then went. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, there's a reason this isn't working. (laughs) Right. So it was like the second marriage was when I knew that I was going to (laughs) publish. Two marriages, three kids later, you're like, wait a minute. I got a handle on it now. Right. But I have to wait because now I have I have stories that I really want to tell. So I started writing my lesbian fantasies. And at that point, I was realizing there's not a lot of literature for the LGBTQ community. And the little bit that it is, it's, it's sprinkled about. So then that's when I realized, okay, I kind of want to add some stuff that I'd really actually like to do. So then mm-hmm. that's, that's when I did that. And yeah. <laughs> Was the last story like an inkling for him that so <laughs> so because within that within those stories, you have several that are male female, and then right. the last one is a lesbian story, and right, you know at that point was he like, "Oh, I think I understand now too, right, so 
I always identified as bisexual because I figured, okay, I'm not going to come out as like full on lesbian, but I always made sure anyone that I dated that I was very open with the fact that I was bi. So I think for him to see a lesbian story in there, it was just like, oh, you know, she's bi. So she just threw something in there. But he did say, where did you get some of these stories from? They're way too realistic. I'm like, experience. (laughs) Some are from, you know, past experience of mine, past experiences of friends. So he's okay. Well, what friend is the last one? And I said, well, no, that's more of a fantasy. And he just kind of looked like, what? That's that's right. the fantasy of yours? I said, yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, okay, okay. <laughs> so here's a question for you, because you have three beautiful children. Yes. They are absolutely wonderful. Thank I love you. seeing about them. <laughs> and they, you have two boys and a little girl. Mm-hmm. To what extent are they aware of your writing or that you would, uh, at what point would you introduce it to them? My five-year-old daughter knows that I write. She does not know what I write. My boys, which are 15 and 12, they know, my 12-year-old knows that I write. Again, he is not privy to what I write. My 15-year-old, however, um, is a lot more like me than I care to give credit for. (laughs) So... (laughs) He, after, after months and months of what kind of book are you writing? Can I read it? Well, why not? Why don't you write books for kids? Why do they have to be for adults? My answers to his question was, were no. And they're adult books. He did sneak and read one, like read a story. And I don't think he got through yeah. the whole story. He was so grossed out and like, oh my God, my mom <laughs> wrote this. What do I do? <laughs> like. <laughs> What do, right. Where right. do I go from here? So then his next line of questioning was, well, are we going to be rich because of this? Right. <laughs> because <laughs> that's literally the only reason that any yeah. of this is okay is if I make a killing off of it. Right. So I'm like, okay, you know, God willing, yes, hopefully I will gain notoriety and I will be rich from this. So then the, then it's just fine. You know what? I won't even try to read anymore. Just do what you got to do. That's kind right. of the, the, <laughs> my 12-year-old. He... He kind of understood, okay, my mom writes, it's adult themed. I'm probably not going to read it like Jaden did, but I'll I'll just take your word for it. And Riley, I I don't know. My five-year-old will be my editor by next week at this point. (laughs) I don't even. She is just the best. I love that little girl. Thank you. She's, yeah, she's an interesting little one there. (laughs) The thing I loved about Slippery When Wet, when when I first got it, um, is your dedication. Mm-hmm. And if you don't mind, I, I want to read your dedication yes. because I, I just think it's amazing. And then I want to, I have a follow-up question for you. Sure. This, this book is dedicated to anyone who's ever had a dream, a goal, or an idea. Don't ever think it's too late to make any of those things come true. Don't ever think what you want is unattainable. Don't ever stop believing in the impossible. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. What did publishing Slippery When Wet mean to you? That was a huge moment for me because it had been years of I'm going to's and one days and soon's and even with everybody writing on Facebook, like, when's that book coming out? I had even written due dates and statuses about, oh, you know, coming soon. And and I I just never... I never did it. I never went, you know, between having kids and working and, you know, being wife and it, there was just always something. So when I finally had decided, okay, um, I'm choosing me now, like my turn, that was big for me because I was always putting me on the back burner to make sure every, everyone else was great or okay or settled. So releasing Slippery When Wet 
for me was finally me stepping forward and saying, it's my turn now. My husband at the time was in the middle of trying to start a business and things like that. So it was one of those, can you hold off? It was me finally saying, no, I can't. I'm doing this. I have this in the works. It's going out on this day. No. And, and it's funny because my dedication, I added at the very last minute. It sounds like it trickled over into other parts of your life oh, as yeah. well. Big time. Definitely. When it came out, I was elated. And interestingly enough, his reaction was, you're not going to need me anymore. You're doing all these big things. You're not going to need me anymore. And I'm like, huh, interesting that you, that's the, that's the approach you're taking from this. This is the conclusion you're drawing from this is that my success means that I won't need you anymore. And I realized, okay, this is a, this is it. I'm all set with this. So yeah, I, that I always hold those moments dear to me because that book is like, even if I even, well, not if, but when I publish more books, that one will always hold a special place because it kind of, it was a rebirth for me. It sounds to me like you projected what you wanted for yourself onto Absolutely. your characters. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like this was your inner self that you were hoping to live out loud. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, being an out gay female now, I can look back and say, oh God, I was definitely projecting. And Mm -hmm. especially in my female characters, like just the ability of living in their truths, even my, one of my favorite stories, um, which is rapper's delight, even though she had her reasoning for not liking rappers, she was, you know, she was stuck in her convictions. She like, she didn't care how anybody felt. This is why I feel the way that I feel. You're not going to change my opinion. I have my own money. No, I don't need your drinks. Like she's just about her business. And say what you mean, mean what you say. And she literally was who I like to think that I am now. Very no filter. No, I don't need you to do this for me. I can buy my own drinks. I, you know, I that just that take no prisoners kind of attitude. I was not Mm -hmm. that when I was writing that story at all. At all. I was I was nowhere close to it. But writing her, I'm like, God. That could so be me one day. And it is now. But then it, it definitely was me kind of writing the role of who I who I wanted to be. But at, in that moment, wasn't really comfortable being just yet. So what what was the reaction to Slippery When Wet? Uh, okay, so my, <laughs> my mom said, I don't want to read it, but I'll buy it to support. And she did. <laughs> and she did. That's a mom answer for you. Listen, a mother will go in and read a person's diary. Right? And so. she read mine. So yes, uh, I'm sure. I don't know if she, I wonder. I do know that one of my sisters tried to like talk to her about it. Like, oh my God, did you read? You know, don't know. Like, no, I did not. And I don't know. <laughs> but she did buy it for support. My sisters loved it. Um, friends loved it. I've had a couple of friends of friends who ended up finding me through their friends and reaching out like, Hey, I bought your book. And Oh my God. I know for a fact, one of my friends ended up with her last baby because of that book. So, (laughs) (laughs) so you're to blame. I'm definitely to blame, (laughs) but yeah, no, it was, it was all just really, really, really great feedback. Like great to the point where the fact that I haven't published anything since is really starting to grind people's gears. I, I like, I get at least two IMs a day. So where are we on that new book? Where are we on that next book? I need more. I need this. So 
now that I'm finally living my truth and now I get to, there will definitely be lots of good stuff coming very soon. It was kind of funny to say I have to research for this interview and (laughs) I'm reading erotica. Um, (laughs) I found your writing as a woman Mm -hmm. um, that you just, you waste no time. Mm -hmm. And that's funny because a lot of people have said that, but a lot of people have also said, a lot of females have said they love that because I think that men seem to, I don't know why, but the consensus for men seems to be that, you know, as women sit in a, in a room together and we paint each other's toenails <laughs> and, you know, we pillow fight, the feathers fly everywhere. And then all of a sudden we're in our bra and panties and then we're, no. And I wanted to write from a place where it's like, we want to get down to the nitty gritty, just like a guy does. And I, and I don't think a lot of guys know that. <laughs> I don't, I think right. of, we do want the romance sometimes and the foreplay and the, but sometimes we just want raw carnal, like just get in and get it. We'll talk after, let's just get to it and make sense of everything else afterward. I honestly thought I was the only person who, who <laughs> felt like that sometimes. And then as people were reading it, they're like, oh my God, this is me. No. I want, I want a day, like I want to just show up to my man's house and open the door and just throw him against the wall. And I'm like, Right. right I also had to be mindful of the fact that these were short stories so I had to make sure that I set the scene properly but got to you know the meat and potatoes of this thing here and then once I do the the full length stories for each of the short stories then it'll be a little classier Uh, there'll there'll be a little more (laughs) There, there might be some romance. Is that what right? You're there, there'll be some romance. There will be. There definitely will be a, be full on storylines, and you'll get to meet these characters more. And, and there's definitely more to each of these characters than sex. Believe me. So, slippery when wet is an anthology of short stories, mm-hmm. and it sounds like you're working on bringing these short stories mm-hmm. into to full length stories. Is is that the next step? Yep. Every last one of those stories we'll have a full length book. My sister has already spoken it into existence, which I'm excited about because it actually was a good idea. She's like, I think that these should be series because there's no way you're going to get everything in the one book. It'll eventually be a series, but yes, as of now, each of the short stories will have its own full length story. So where are you in developing those? For Rapper's Delight, I'm in the editing stages of that one right now. So I'm actually hoping, oh, wow. yes, I'm hoping, nice. hoping, hoping. I don't, you know, knock on wood somewhere. I'm hoping to have that one edited and ready for publishing. I want to say by like September, October. That's that's kind of my hope. Oh, wow. Yeah. So do you self-publish or do you go through a I, publisher? I self-published. Um, Slippery and Wet was self-published through Amazon. I've actually been looking into publishers, but I'm thinking I'm probably for this one, because I'm so close to being done, I'm going to go ahead and self-publish. And then mm-hmm. in developing the next ones, I'll actually start looking for actual publishing companies. Fingers crossed. <laughs> what would you say is the thing that you found hardest about the whole experience of being a writer and publishing your own work? Oh my God, the editing process it's a whole like different monster in itself. And I I almost felt like I wrote, rewrote the book. It's a lot that goes into it that I don't think we ever give these publishing companies credit for. Cause obviously you wouldn't know these things until you go in to do it. I got to a point where I'm like, I'm just not going to do it. (laughs) And my sister's like, no, you, you have to do it. 
Right. You have to push through that. Hard right. Stuff. It's, it's, it's yeah. a very stressful process. Yeah. When you're doing it yourself, you, there's no, there, there's no one to blame, but you like there's, there's no other outlets for your frustration. There's, there's nothing. So you're, you're literally doing everything. I love that you as the, the grammar police, cause I know you are, I see you out on Facebook <laughs> policing everyone's grammar. I do struggled with editing yes. that to me. It's a beautiful thing. And I think you want to know something. I think that's when being the grammar police is a gift and a curse because I was cursing myself out for having so many like misspellings or grammatical errors or how did you forget that comma? That was the hardest part about the editing process was like really brief. I'm going to watch you be kinder online now that this is going to be exposed. You be kinder to people. That's what I'm asking for. I, I'm not sure I can do that. With the publishing of the book and the personal journey you were on and how things played out with the book and when it got mm-hmm. published and what was going on in your personal life, mm-hmm. it's almost like the book is a reflection of the metamorphosis oh you were God. actually going through. Yeah, it really was. And it's so weird because what a lot of people don't know, the very last story, the one lesbian story in there, I, I was done with editing and I pulled it back. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to add something. My then husband at the time wasn't very pleased because while he knew the truth I gave him, which was that I was bisexual, um, I don't think he ever thought that I would openly even say, like have something in the book in regards to homosexuality or anything like that. But I just want something. If I'm, if I'm saying I'm bisexual, why don't I have even one story in here that represents that side of me? And I pulled it back and I added it. And I have to say, it's actually one of my favorite stories. It was you being authentic to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. In so many different ways. Oh, yeah. My proudest moment was that one. Because A, I don't remember picking up a book and ever reading anything that represented that part of myself. And so it was cool that I was the one writing that and could be that story that's someone else who might have been struggling reads and like, hey, look at that. We do have love stories. We do have, you know, stories out there that for me, for, you know, whoever, you know, the struggling teen or the struggling early adult, who knows? I mean, aside from Fifty Shades, there's not a lot of like mainstream erotica out there. Mm -hmm. So how, how was it for you to kind of release your work? I know you had circulated it among, you know, friends and family for years. And you really got people excited for these characters and mm-hmm. and the adventures they were going to have. <laughs> um, but how was it to just release it out to the public? Did you have any concern or any fear about what the perception would be of you? Of me? Nah. At that, I, I, by the time I released it, honestly, I didn't care how anybody felt about me personally. Yeah. But yeah. I felt like because there were writers like Zane who released prior and I at least knew that my core demographic knew who Zane was and read them and enjoyed it. I knew that at least, you know, my age bracket and stuff like that, they'd get it and there would be no, oh my God, they they were they wouldn't shy away from it. So I wasn't worried about that. Zane was kind of more popular amongst the African American 
side. So to have mm-hmm. 50 shades now come out, it brought in both. It, it brought in all different races. And I'm like, yes. So now when I release my stuff, it would, it won't be so, oh my God. Cause now I feel like all different races have kind of had a taste of right. this writing. Right. So yeah. What do you hope to bring to others through your characters and their experiences? I am hoping to reach all readers, but I'm, I'm especially hoping to reach that one reader who was me. They're escaping to something. I'm hoping that they're not in the transition as long as I was. I'm hoping that my story or and, and even if it's not the full story, a moment in the story, a line in the story, something grabs them enough where they're like, okay, I'm, I'm ready now. I'm ready to be me. You know, whatever character Bianca did this or whoever, whatever story they're reading, I I, I want to do that. I want to be that. Yes, I'm writing them, but I want to write them in a way where it sounds so realistic. It's like, oh my God, okay, this can happen to me. It empowers people. Right. Oh my gosh. This has been so wonderful, Brie. Thank you yes, so much for sharing your story. Thanks, guys. I'm excited. I really am. I'm excited to get more stories out there as well. So I appreciate the time you guys took to ask questions and get to know me. And well, erotica. certainly as, <laughs> as your more stories come out, we're going to want to hear more about them. As I start doing this more and a lot more interviews, I really hope that everybody's as dope as you guys, because this was fun. This was really oh my fun. gosh. It's just a conversation. That's all I'm, we're having. <laughs> I'm just going to say this. If there's somebody doper than us that you get to talk to... We want to meet him. Yeah. Absolutely. Like our competitive spirit is there. Okay. We want to know why they're more dope than we are. Right. And what can you do to get your doposity beyond theirs? I got it. Doposity. Doposity. Mm-hmm. Come on. I like I, that. I do these things. I make words too. That's right. <laughs> for free. You guys got that for, for free. free. Right. For free. Raise your doposity. <laughs> So, doposity was a new word we all learned today through this conversation. And I'm trying to live up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Your royal dopeness. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like I'm wearing a crown. It, you know, having the conversation with Brie was great. A um, couple things that stuck out to me in our conversation was how at a certain point in her life, she decided to put herself first on many fronts from the moving forward with following her dream right? Um, through, you know, her, her own personal journey about who she was and where she saw herself going. I really loved that, but I even found it refreshing earlier on in the interview when uh, she shared how her mom dealt with the topic of sex and how she introduced sex and erotica to, to Brie. She kind of eased her into it and, it and it was really refreshing to see a different approach because, well, you and I had different experiences. That's true. Absolutely. What I found fascinating about Bray's story is that she really grew through her writing to become her most authentic self. 
And she reminds me to embrace the pleasure of passion. Woohoo! Oh, Paul, you're a lucky guy tonight. It's going to make everybody happy. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you're interested in purchasing Bree's Slippery When Wet anthology, we've included the link to her book on Amazon in the episode description, as well as the link to her website so you can stay up to date on her future releases, the progress she's making in developing each one of the stories in the series for her characters. So that's it from us this week. Maureen, anything else to add? Just go to experiment now. (laughs) Oh, Paul, buckle up, my friend. (laughs) Everybody have a great week. We'll see you next week. So if you like what you've heard, join us every Wednesday for a new episode. And don't forget to check out the two additional episodes we dropped this week. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends and family. Rate us and drop us a review wherever you download your podcasts. You can join us on social media. The links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts are in the episode description. Thanks for joining us. And until next week, be bold, be blind, and pursue your passions.